Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. Thanks for joining me here on the Bible and Life. Our goal is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. And by that I mean down-to-earth Bible teaching, Bible teaching that is just in the language of everyday life, communicated in the context of everyday life, to help you and I follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. That's what we're all about. And so I'm glad you're here. Glad you're uh, tuning into this episode. If you've been listening for a while, glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. Also, I wanted just to say thank you to each and every one of you who makes this ministry possible, the Bible and Life, as well as the Listener's Commentary, this whole online ministry. is made possible by the prayers and generous support of uh, tons of people just like you. So thanks a lot if you're one of those supporters. If you've been blessed or impacted by this in some way and you would like to help out, you can, you can do that by... Uh, going to johnwhitaker.net, clicking the Give button and setting up a one-time or even a, a recurring monthly donation. All donations are received in partnership with World Family Mission, um, and that provides a little bit of financial oversight for me, provides a little bit of tax benefit for you. So thanks for your support. Thanks for your prayers to each and every one of you. All right. Over the last uh, few weeks on the podcast, we have been looking at... Uh, just some things related to who's really in charge of our life. And it's just grown out of just things I've observed, things I've watched that have caused me some concern um, about um, the way we communicate the gospel today, the way we invite people into faith today, the way people respond to that. And then as a result of all that, how people respond to Jesus and how people still view their life of faith and their Christianity. And so just been reflecting on that. So we've talked about God being the absolute boss. We've talked about the importance of the fear of God, even though we don't talk about it very much anymore in our churches or our sermons. That's just central to the Bible's teaching what it means to be in a right relationship with God is that we have an appropriate and healthy reverence and fear and honor of God. We've talked about that. And in our last episode, we talked about what makes the Bible authoritative. Why is the Bible authoritative? And why do we believe we should listen to the Bible and submit to the Bible? So that's what we've talked about so far. And in this week's podcast, what I want to talk about really is the starting point for following Jesus, the fundamental act or the fundamental beginning point for following Jesus. And so here in a second, I want to read a couple passages that I think they're parallel and they describe this same fundamental reality from two different parallel passages in the Gospels. They're words of Jesus. So I want to read those in just a second. But here's the reason this is so important is because we have, we have emerged at a point in time in history, at least in my country and in my culture, where... Uh, we have witnessed and emerged at this point where what really rules the day is the autonomous self, uh, our own individual self, our own individual uh, feelings and desires and identities and beliefs, and we defend our own individual rights, and no one can tell me what to do, and we have we've emerged at this place where uh, the the individual autonomous self pretty much rules the day. That causes just so many problems in so many different ways in so many places. Um, in fact, there's a book that I have not had a chance to read the whole book yet. I've listened to some interviews, read some articles by the author of the book that summarize the thesis of the book. The book's entitled The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. 
I'm hoping to get that whole book here shortly, read the whole thing. Uh, but in uh, his thesis is basically what he does in the book is he tells the history, both uh, sociologically and culturally and philosophically, how we've emerged at this point where everybody pretty much just does their own thing and rules their own life. And we have this place where whatever I feel like, whatever I want, well, then that's what I think I can be and that's what I can do. It's the rule of the uh, modern individual self. And the reality is, is humans have always struggled with this. It's just that it's taken on a really powerful, deep, uh, philosophical, I mean, it just just is overwhelming right now, at least in uh, modern Western culture like in America or Europe or some of those places. Well, these two texts that we're going to read speak powerfully to that reality. That's why I think this is so important for us to hear. So listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his own soul, forfeits his self, his life, the the essence of himself. What will a person give in exchange for his soul? And the word translated soul is the same word as translated life in verse 25, right? What will you give in exchange for your life, for your soul, for yourself? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and he's going to repay everyone according to his deeds. So that's That's the way Matthew records these words of Jesus. Here it is in Mark, Mark chapter 8. Jesus summoned the crowd together with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life, save his soul, will lose it. But whoever loses his soul, his life, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, will save it. For what does it benefit a person to gain the whole world and forfeit his life, his soul? Uh, What could a person give in exchange for his life or his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, I, what I want us to hear very loudly and very clearly out of these words of Jesus is this. Turning to Jesus requires dying to self. Turning to Jesus requires denying yourself, taking up your cross, right? Denying yourself, dying to yourself. That is why I say it's the fundamental act of following Jesus. Turning to Jesus requires uh, renouncing self, dying to self. When I used to teach this at the college where I I had a group of students um, and we did this thing that I referred to as the circles of comfort activity. And so I I would use rope and I would make a small circle in the middle and then a big circle around that. The small circle in the middle middle represented like totally 100% comfortable with a specific activity. And then all the way out to the outer line that represent varying degrees of lesser and lesser comfort with an activity. And then I would mention various activities, things like singing a song by yourself in front of a group of people or um, 
parachuting out of an airplane or uh, swimming in an area where there might be sharks or right like and I just would mention a whole host of various things that people could be comfortable with uh, more comfortable with or less comfortable with the whole point of the activity was because uh, then we would go back into the classroom and we would we would discuss our experience and what we were thinking and how we were feeling doing that. And the whole point of the activity was to help us to realize how, uh, how, how much more holistically and broadly we need to understand ourself. So when we talk about dying to self or denying self, that our self affects all these various decisions. And we're, you know, so I wanted them to get in touch with that reality of themselves before we actually read these texts and talked about these passages, and and it's important for us to think this through. Um, the the particular Greek word here in Matthew or Mark when it says deny himself, the Greek word for deny could mean simply like just you know deny the truth of a statement. That's false. You're going to deny that. No, I didn't say that. Right? Could mean that, but it almost always has some sort of connection to a person, to a relationship. So, for example, this is the same word, deny, that is used of Peter denying Jesus three times uh, when Jesus was at his trial before his crucifixion. Um, it's that same word. And so it has really that same force, like to deny that you know someone, to, to deny a relationship with someone. And so in that context, it has more of the sense of renouncing, right? Um, disassociating with. And so self-denial then, in this very broad context of everything that makes me, me, self-denial is stepping away from, like disavowing myself as primary. Like I am not the primary person in charge of my life. That's the idea. Who is our primary allegiance to? To Jesus or to ourself. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, our primary fundamental allegiance has to be to Jesus. Uh, so now, let's just process that thing. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, one of the things that means is, if we're going to deny ourselves, that means there's a complete change of masters. I no longer rule me. I no longer get to be in charge of my life. It's no longer my way of doing life. It's no longer even my life. It's his. Um, I, I, I don't get to use my own sensibilities, my own preferences, my own quote unquote common sense to navigate life. I look to his wisdom. Uh, I look to him for advice and for direction and for strength and for, right? Like I place my confidence in Jesus's brilliance, Jesus's intelligence, Jesus's skill at doing life. Like he's in charge. Um, he really is, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, the treasure chest of wisdom and knowledge. So if we're going to deny ourselves, it means a complete change of masters. It's no longer my life to determine uh, the, the direction, the way of doing it, right? Like I no longer rule me. I'm no longer in charge of my life. And that's just huge because that's so countercultural for probably all throughout times and definitely in this countercultural or this cultural moment where we do have the rise and triumph of the modern self where everyone is kind of free to do their own thing and even make up their own identity and uh, if I identify as this I can be that and if I think I'm that I can be this right and I, 
Like, uh, I can do whatever I want to be. I can be whoever I want to be, right? Like, we've been told this kind of stuff for so long that now we believe it. Well, what Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You, you need to take all of that and submit it under me. So to deny ourselves means a change of masters. Another thing that denying ourselves means is it also means a change of orientation. What I mean by that is a fundamental change of direction. Um, not my ambitions, but his. Not my dreams, but his. Not, not my goals or plans or agenda, but his. And mine only in relationship to him and to what his are. Ultimately, it's not my pleasures, but his. And only to find that his pleasures fulfill my deepest longings, my deepest needs, and my deepest dreams for happiness. It's not my rights. Like, I got my rights, you know. That's just such a, a modern thing to say. I got my rights. Well, no, it's not my rights. It's my responsibilities before him and under him. Uh, it's not my privileges. It's my duties under him and before him. So it's a complete change of orientation. Since he's in charge, now my whole life revolves around him and heads in the direction that he wants it to go. I would also say that denying ourselves means a change in desire. Like my, my chief desire, my greatest desire is no longer satisfying me, making me happy what I want. My chief desire becomes Jesus. Christ becomes my chief desire. I think of, for example, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. And he becomes your, your delight, your chief desire. Or Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, right? Like whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. What's more, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, of being in relationship with him. That, that, that's my chief desire. And I'm willing to give anything, uh, not just bad things, but even good things that would impede uh, knowing Jesus and being in relationship with him. So now I pursue pleasure and happiness in and through pursuing him. A complete change and desire. Now, it's highly unlikely that any of us will fully get that, maybe even hardly get that at all when we first commit to follow Jesus. We won't know all that's entailed. We certainly won't know all the way that's going to play out. There's going to be layers and layers that are going to be uncovered and discovered as we kind of go through our walk with Jesus. And that's okay. That's not really the point. The point of Jesus' words is that we, we realize, I am turning to Jesus. And in order for that to happen, I've got to open my hands and let go of myself and say, I am not in charge. I renounce myself as the ruler and determiner and source and goal of this life. And again, we won't know all the ways that's going to play out, but we, we can say, Jesus, I hand you my life. I arrange my life under you. You are my king and I will follow you. And of course, then we'll learn new depths of this as we go along, right? And Jesus will reveal to us another way. It's like, oh yeah, and we'll have to renounce some more. He'll, he'll help us see another layer, right? And, he'll, and we will learn 
all sorts of new depths and new nuances of this as we go through life. There'll be new implications and new realizations about what this entails. But the fundamental starting point for discipleship to Jesus is, Jesus, you're my life. You're my leader, my king, and I no longer am any of that. Here is my life. And we renounce uh, ourself as being the determiner of our life, and we trust Jesus. The Apostle Paul models this for us in his famous statement in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. Do you catch that? I, me, myself, I, John Whitaker, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer me, I, John Whitaker, who live, but Christ lives in me. It's his life now through me and in me that is going to be manifested in the way I do my life. So he goes on and says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by trust and loyalty and confidence in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Man, that's just such a powerful and important little statement. Uh, the denial of self that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 16 or Mark 8, that denial of self must be so radical, so fundamental, so complete, that as Paul says here in Galatians 2.20, we can be spoken of as crucified, dead. I have been crucified with Christ. That's why Jesus says, Deny yourself and take up your cross, right? Like crucifixion was a, a form of execution. It was reserved for uh, offenders who uh, had rebelled so greatly against Roman authority that they deserved to be utterly and completely conquered and disgraced. That's what crucifixion was. So to take up one's cross really it pictures this idea of like, I have been conquered by Jesus and he is now in charge. I yield to his authority completely and wholly. And so when Jesus calls for self-denial and cross-bearing, he's claiming authority over our lives. And we, we now submit our lives to him. Turning to Jesus requires dying to self, denying ourself. Um, C.S. Lewis says very much a similar sort of thing, emphasizes the importance of this in a, a well-known passage out of his book, Mere Christianity. Here's what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own self shall become yours. Christ lives through us. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 3.20, or chapter 2.20. Now, uh, this all sounds, in some regards, like so awful, doesn't it? So tragic. Like, why would anyone do a thing like that? Like, die to themselves, crucify themselves. Like, you know, like, 
lose ourselves, lose our life. Why? That just all sounds somewhat morbid and awful and tragic. Why would anyone want to do such a thing? Well, Mark, Mark's version of these words in Mark chapter 8 actually points us in the direction. Mark 8.35, Jesus has just said he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Then Jesus says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, denies himself, takes up his cross, follows Jesus, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it will save his life. In other words, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus is the doorway to real, true, lasting life. The thing we think we can get by trying to save our life, the only way to get it is by opening our hands, letting our life go, entrusting it to Jesus and letting Jesus give us his life. And when we do that, we actually find that which is life indeed. Uh, why would anyone then want to, to do this, to deny themselves, uh, to take up their cross and die to themselves? Why would anyone do that? Well, for, for life's sake, to have life. In fact, Matthew chapter 13, verses uh, 44 through 46, Jesus tells a couple parables. And those parables actually speak to that while this might sound tragic to the ears of the natural self, it's actually the most exciting opportunity of all. Um, in one of those parables in Matthew 13, verse 44, a man is out working in the field. So imagine this guy's got a shovel, he's got a hoe, he's digging, he's working in a field. It's not his field. He's a tenant farmer. He's working for the owner of uh, the field. And so he's working. He hits something hard in the ground. And so he digs down, he figures out, it's a treasure chest, and it's full of all sorts of coins and wealth. And he's like, like, that's more treasure, more wealth, more money than he's ever seen. So what he does is he buries it back up, covers it over, he goes and sells everything he has. He dies to himself, he denies himself, he takes up his cross, he sells everything he has, right? All his possessions, his house, right? The stuff inside his house, right? If we put it in modern terms, he sells his car. He sells everything, his cell phone, his computer. He sells it all, liquidates all his assets, gets all his money together and goes, Jesus says in Matthew 13, and he buys that field. And there's an important little phrase in the middle of that when Jesus says he sells everything he has and for joy, he buys that field. Now, he's not feeling like tragic, awful, morbid about this. He has joy. He's excited about the possibility of it all. Why? Because he knows that he has found the treasure of a lifetime. And that's really what would motivate anyone to hand over their whole self to Jesus, to to give it all and let Jesus do away with their natural self and give them a new self instead. What motivates us is the fact that we realize in Jesus we have found the treasure of a lifetime. He is the greatest treasure. The offer that he's giving us of entering into his kingdom is the greatest treasure. And so, Yes, there's a sacrifice in coming to Jesus. Yes, uh, there's this renouncing of self and taking up our cross. Yes, um, there's this denial of self. But we're doing it. We're doing it because we're excited about the possibility of what Jesus offers us, what he promises us. New life indeed. That if we lose our life for his sake and the gospels, we will actually find 
real, true, lasting life indeed. And so the fundamental act of following Jesus is not to be true to yourself, not to embrace yourself, not to honor yourself, not to like become an authentic self. The, the fundamental act of following Jesus is to die to yourself, to deny yourself, and let Jesus then teach you what true life looks like. And in doing so, he will give you a new self instead. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that we would be people who live wholeheartedly and fully for Jesus and that we would keep learning more and more of what that means day by day as he gives us the, the grace and the wisdom and the insight to do just that. Have a great week. I look forward to talking to you again next week.